0: This is Tack Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners,
1: we are judges,
0: we are competitors, we are coaches, we are volunteers, we are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Has your horse ever experienced muscle cramping? breaking out in a sweat or been reluctant to move? There's a possibility it may actually have polysaccharide storage myopathy or PSSM. I'm Dr. Chris Heine, the equine extension specialist for Oklahoma State University, and with me today is
1: Dr. Karen Waite, and I'm an equine extension specialist at Michigan State University.
0: And today we're going to share our horse story with a purpose and talk about our own personal horses that have had PSSM, flea, and Virginia you first knew that Virginia had PSSM?
1: Sure. So I uh, actually bought Virginia with the intent of uh, using her as a reigning horse and um, then breeding her after that. And so I had brought her home. And prior to that, she'd been in a training barn. She hadn't had a lot of turnout and she really hadn't had a lot of grazing. So I had uh, put her out and was cleaning stalls. And I heard kind of a a crash and went outside and found her. She was standing. It looked like maybe she had slid into the fence as a rainer might do, um, accidentally, of course. And, um, she was on her feet, but she was shaking and she just, I went to lead her forward and she just didn't really want to lean for come forward. So I got her into the barn and, uh, checked her out. I was trying to figure out if maybe it was, uh, mild colic or something like that, and she did start to sweat a little bit, so I gave her some banamine and, you know, within half an hour, 45 minutes, she seemed to be doing a little better, Uh, and so I didn't really think too much more of it after that. She went back to eating fine, um, and everything seemed to be okay, Uh, and then later, uh, when I did the genetic testing to um, determine Her panel status, uh, from a five-panel perspective, uh, I realized that she did, in fact, have one copy of the uh, PSSM gene. So that's how I found out, officially. Um, And then looking back, I I realized that that may have been what I was seeing uh, the day I found her after she was, you know, when she was shaky and tying up a bit.
0: Gotcha. Um, yeah, so tying up is another term that a lot of people uh, will use, and that's how I was referred to my horse when she did it. So I'll share my story of Flea. Um, ironically, she was also a reigning horse, um, and it turns out that this is going to be a little bit more prevalent in our Western performance horses. Uh, so, not unusual that we both might have the same experiences. So, my story with Flea, I had uh, gotten her as a two year old. And uh, had ridden her, you know, not a a complete, you know, five days a week, two days off, but just ridden her regularly, but really didn't pay attention, you know, do I work her every day, she was fine, and everything was fine. Um, and, And I distinctly remember It was the winter of her three-year-old year year then, Um, and at the time, I lived uh, in the northern Midwest, uh, where we have a lot of snow and blizzards, so I was actually out of town uh, with our equestrian team, and a blizzard came through while we were in Nebraska, and they closed the highways down. We couldn't make it home, and so I uh, was out of town for longer than I had expected. Well, you really don't think anything of that. Uh, finally got home and went to ride my little horse. and when I rode her, she, just after a little bit of getting into her exercise uh, about for the day, she felt like her back like turned into like a brick, so she was really, really like hard to sit on. She broke out in a sweat, like pretty strong sweat, and really didn't want to move. Um, so got off of her, um, got her back to her stall, again, helped her out with, um, some banamine at the time. Uh, and that's really when I discovered she had, uh, PSSM. So, um, Karen, you said you had had diagnostics done with your horse or you had had, um, you'd had genetic testing done with her to confirm she had PSSM. So could you explain that a little bit for us?
1: Sure. So there's a a five panel test that you can get at the AQHA website. um, And it just involves pulling some main hair and then sending that to UC Davis. And within not even two weeks, typically, um, you get an email back with the full report with respect to um, the genotype of five different potential genetic conditions that we know may impact quarter horses and and pssm1 one is one of those
0: okay um so you had mentioned a uh, pssm one, and that's the genetic test. For, there's actually two different types of this disorder. So there's PSSM1, uh, which is a, sing, a single gene mutation. So essentially, there's one thing wrong with the horse, but rather uh, dramatic effects. So they actually have a mutation in the gene that codes for glycogen synthase. So there's your science fun fact for the day. Um, so what happens to these guys is they turn into little uh, glucose sponges. That's how I always refer to it. Uh, and their muscles soak up a lot of that glucose, and when they put it in their muscle, the glycogen uh, is abnormal, so it doesn't really uh, work for them during exercise, so they can't really mobilize it um, while they tie up then uh, with exercise, but there's actually another type that's called PSSM-2, and that one does not not have this genetic test yet. Um, So actually to test for that disorder, um, we need a muscle biopsy. That's only the only definitive test. Certainly you could do some history and symptoms and kind of go with some um, veterinary advice, but the actual diagnostic test again is a muscle biopsy, but it has to be handled really pretty carefully um, in order to get good results. So just a cautionary um, tale out there. But uh, with your horse, Virginia, um, was that blood you had to send in or did you tell us what you had to do?
1: Nope. So for that test, um, it was just mane hair. So you pull um, several strands of mane hair and you just have to make sure that you get it at the root. And then uh, when it gets to the lab, they um, analyze it uh, using that root. So um it doesn't really take very much um m- much lower stress than a muscle biopsy. Yeah,
0: definitely. Uh,
1: not nearly the uh the same level of intensity that you would need to do um with a potential PSSM two horse, for sure.
0: Gotcha. So now I'm curious care both of us actually we are were, we're talking about our quarter horses that we'd had in our lives, but other horses can have this as well, right?
1: Yeah, actually um there are other breeds that have it um and the thought, originally historically, was that it may have started um, way back when, when we developed um, horses for knights, so crossing uh, draft horses and some other horses um, to develop stronger, tougher, more intense horses. Um, that it may have it may trace all the way back uh, that far, but. Uh, in general, we predominantly see it in quarter horses. Um, there are some paints maybe that may also um, demonstrate or, or have the condition. Uh, and interestingly, while there are 6 to 10% of performance bred or, or cow bred quarter horses or some of the rainers and the horses that we're talking about now, Um, it's also pretty prevalent in halter bred quarter horses. Mm -hmm. So it seems um, that some work has shown as much as 28% of uh, halter bred quarter horses may, may have this condition too.
0: Yeah, I know, um, I don't. I think, you know, just Karen and I are friends, and I know through your Facebooks, you've always talked about um, Virginia's uh, back end, so to speak, that she's uh, rather muscular. Um, so is my little horse, too. I mean, you stand behind her, she had huge stifle on her. She was really, really powerful, hindquarter little horse, which is why she actually was just a fantastic little show horse. Um, so I think there's probably some links there related to those muscle types.
1: Yeah, I would say so for sure. And the other thing I thought was really interesting um, in learning more about uh, this disorder is that at least in the PSSM one horses, they tend to be um, pretty tractable and have pretty quiet temperaments, which was one of the things that drew me to Virginia in the first place. Gotcha. So there's that also. But
0: Well, I'm going to say that, to that was not muscle. true for mine. <laughs> well, there you go. She was a fun little horse, but but docile was not a word I would have used for her.
1: (laughs) So, there you go.
0: Everybody's an individual. Everybody's
1: an individual, but...
0: All right. So we talked a little bit, you had some uh, genetic tests done. Uh, I actually never never did with uh, my horse. Uh, It was a known part of the family tree with her. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but that uh, line of horses she came from had quite a history of having that disorder. So I didn't really uh, bother. I knew I had the, she had it and I had to deal with it going forward. So let's talk a little bit about how do we live with these horses that have um, PSSM one or two, because there's actually quite a bit of similarities in how we would actually um, live with these guys on a daily basis. So what did you do for Virginia?
1: So I was actually really lucky um, in this scenario. I had made the decision before I ever did the testing to switch her to um, a low starch, low sugar type feed, um, mainly because she was going to a horse trainer who used this feed, his horses were on it, and um, I figured I might as well just switch so we don't have to do a lot of back and forth changing feeds and that kind of thing. And and that turned out to be um, one of the best things for her. Uh, I also have her on a, a supplement that's, Fairly high in fat, but again, no starch, no sugar. Um, And so those two things, I think, have helped her tremendously um, in not having, you know, more episodes. Um, Also, I'm really careful about the type of hay I feed. Uh, I try not to feed her high percentage alfalfa. Um, You know, she does get some of that, especially when she 's nursing, but um, i don't you know I try to stick to grass hay and, and low percentage alfalfa when I can, and i 'm real cautious in the spring in putting her on uh, grass. One of the things that was going on, like I mentioned when i when she first had the uh, episode was that she was on pretty lush pasture um, and had not been on lush pasture prior to that, so I'm, that may have contributed to um, the onset but um, Mostly just being mindful of um, low-starch, low-sugar diets has, has been what I, all I've really needed to do so far. Gotcha.
0: That's great. So, yeah, I know um, the starch content and sugar content of their feed is always something you have to really be aware of with these horses. Um, so the traditional grains like corn and oats, unfortunately, are a, kind of a no-go for these guys, and you have to choose one of those low-starch feeds that um, Karen was talking about uh but that you know it's not just the the grain it's the hay as well so overall we're trying to get down to like 10 to 12% of their diet only in in sugars and starches so it's really important to be aware of what you're feeding them um and even with hay as well we always recommend that it, that you get it tested so that you No, because stage of maturity or what was going on in the environment with that hay or the hay type can really vary that quite a bit. And if you have a horse that's uh, really susceptible to tying up or all these symptoms, you really have to be on top of that with them. Well, I'm going to share a little bit of what I did with with my horse, who was a little bit more of extreme type. So um, unfortunately, she had a lot of bouts of of tying up um, and this painful muscle cramping, tremors, um, sweating, as I tried to figure out how best to care for her. Um, my situation was a little unique. The place that she lived, I didn't really have control over the hay. I mean, the hay was what was there, and that's what they were fed. Um, so I did remove her from any concentrate or any grain, so she didn't get any of that. which tried to really minimize it there. Uh, but the other key uh, thing that you got to do for these horses is not uh, confine them. So what's really bad for them is if they exercise after a period of rest or confinement. Um, And so she was in a stall and we had um, pretty limited turnout. So her exercise was, you know, through riding or lunging or working her. Um, And I had, you know, through trial and error which wasn't very fun, figured out that she could have one day off. So that was pretty much her limit of time before she would tie up. So if I was going to be gone for longer than a day, um, I had to hire students to do something with her, to ride her or lunge her or do something to make sure she had regular exercise. And even just turning her out like in a paddock, didn't really work because well she would be like well I'm standing out here in the paddock nothing to do so she needed to have another horse or something with her to actually make her move around while she was uh turned out so uh it it really became like oh my lifestyle is all about making sure this horse has been exercised all the time and it was sort of a kind of an awkward position to be put in where riding a horse starts to turn into like a job, you have to do it for her, for her own um, health reasons. So she was a, a harder to manage horse just because of the circumstances I was in with her um which you know realistically it was it was hard so i understand people that have come through this and you know if you have a horse that's uh, really ties up a lot you have to dedicate a lot of thought into how they're managed and housed
1: yeah it is certainly a huge commitment um once you realize that your horse is impacted this way um just to go back a little bit you mentioned uh, hay and hay testing Um, where do you go to get your hay tested or what, what would you recommend people do, um, from a hay testing perspective?
0: Oh, so my uh, favorite place that I always recommend, um, and it's a little confusing because it has two different names, but it's the same place. So it's either Dairy One or Equa Analytics. Uh, So again, it's the same company. They're in Ithaca, New York, but they have a great website. Um, why I like them is that they provide... Um, your analysis for horses. So they put it in terms of the things that we use for horses, sugars and starch percentages, water-soluble carbohydrates. They do um, the energy and values that horses use um, compared to things that you would see for dairy cattle or beef cattle or pigs. So I really do recommend them. Um, They really give you a pretty good breakdown of all the nutrients that you are going to need to look at for pretty reasonable price. So a great idea to have your hay tested if at all possible.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely um, try to make sure that we have the link to EquiAnalytics in the show notes too, so people can find that pretty easily. Um, What role might Extension be able to play in helping people get their hay tested?
0: Um, So at least here in Oklahoma, and maybe uh, you can talk about what folks are willing to do in Michigan, but our county uh, educators, if you need assistance with figuring out how to do um, hay testing, they can help you. Um, They even have the the devices, the forage probe, et cetera, that you would need, um, because the average horse owner may not actually have that. So they can help you uh, figure out how to test your hay properly, get the sample, and help you get it uh, sent off to the lab. So I know my folks around here are really great with assisting owners on that.
1: Yeah, and we have the same um, here in Michigan, too. If you contact your county uh, MSU Extension Office, Um, if if your individual county doesn't have access to a hay probe, um, they can certainly direct you to another office that will. um, And and we have forage experts that can help you with that too.
0: Perfect. Any other uh, tips or thoughts on uh, our experiences that we've had going down the PSSM road? well
1: i I don't think I have any It certainly was an interesting experience um, and i I know what to look for now um, and and how to advise other people a whole lot more effectively than uh than I did previously so um, I do think sometimes about those geldings that maybe ne- you never would test um, or if people have horses that are experiencing repeated bouts of tying up and that sort of thing um, it it does make sense to, uh, look at either the genetics of it or, you know, changing diet and seeing if that helps at all. Um, in a more extreme case like flea, um, you know, it, it, doing some more exploration from a genetic perspective and just to see if that family tree, um, does have the issue probably would, would help people out some so that they can best manage their horse for sure.
0: Right. Well, and I know my horse, it was obvious that she was tying up, but especially with the PSSM2 horses, the level of the disorder or the symptoms that you may see is actually quite a bit different. So you also may see horses that maybe aren't um, as long strided as they should be behind or a little bit of reluctance to perform or maybe just not able to, to get to the level that you were thinking. Um, So it's something to consider. Certainly there's lots of reasons horses can be sore um, and muscle sore, some that you might have done to them too. Uh, But it's worth considering in a conversation with your veterinarian um, or, you know, somebody that can give you some nutritional advice to see if a change in how you feed them or manage them might help that horse.
1: Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, We always want to try to when we have training issues um, try to eliminate or at least get to the bottom of things that might be causing them pain or problems and this is certainly one of them
0: okay great well thanks karen for sharing your story of virginia so i hope our listeners have learned a little something from our personal experiences and sharing our horse stories with a purpose Thanks, Christine. thanks karen